You're listening to Pastor Mike Reiner of Harvest Community Church in Catanning, Pennsylvania, and his sermon entitled, We're Looking for a Few Good Servants. No, lots of them. Based on 1 Timothy 3, 8-13, recorded on Sunday, February 18th, 2018. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org. Let's join Pastor Mike as he preaches. Hey everybody, how's it going? It's great to be here at Harvest Community Church. My name is Mike. If you're a first-time guest, I've just introduced myself, and I get the honor of bringing you the Word of God. Harvest is here to increase the health and size of God's church everywhere. God is building His church on the earth. In this generation, we're a part of that. And to, to build a healthy church, you have to fill it with people who do mainly three things, or things that fall into three categories. They have to love one another. That's first. They're going to walk with God. That's first. And they have to seek the lost. And that's first. They kind of all are first. (laughs) And with seeking the lost and loving one another, um, whenever you love the least of these, Jesus says, you've loved me. Whatever you've done to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. And so we have a few times a year something we call the least of these. And we invite ourselves to um, participate in helping someone who is in great need. And this year, we decided to help Um, babies who needed to be born. Um, Helping life choices uh, uh, is a way of of bringing the gospel to both men and women who find themselves in what's termed a crisis pregnancy situation. Often leads to saving actual human lives. And, uh, And as those little guys grow up, we try to get them the gospel too. So there's a lot of good deeds done for the neediest of women and, and their boyfriends sometimes. Um, so anyway, uh, we, they're doing their baby bottle campaign. And last year, our church, without doing a, a least of these things, gave n- uh, over $9,000, I think 9900 I think almost 10000 which was the, the number one church in all their regions, in all the counties they're in, which I'm not saying we should pat ourselves on the back at all, but if we can get churches to compete against us on this, that's a good thing, Right? because it means more money for a good deed. So we'll go ahead and crow about that. If you know someone in another church who supports life choices, you brag and say, how about your church beat us next year? And let's see if we can keep doing good deeds. But we said um, giving uh, the most wasn't good enough for us. This year we don't want to just do what we normally do, but let's look out for the least of these. So as of now, there could be more coming in, but as of now, you guys gave $17,839. So that's, I'm proud of you. I really am. It's, I'm happy to be part of a church that's, that's generous. Um, and may God bless the, that money to bless people who need it. Well, right now we are looking for a few good servants. Uh, 1 Timothy 3, uh, 8 to 13. If you have your Bible, you open it up. We're going all the way through the book of Timothy. And we're at the portion now that has to do with church government. That's the exciting portion that everybody can't wait to get to. Let's talk about how church governments run. This is the last sermon on it, so, so if you enjoy that, boy, you're going to be so disappointed next week when we move on to the next subject. Uh, last week, we saw that the number, uh, or the number one, the first most important office in, 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 as far as managing a church goes is your elders or your overseers, and it's their job to oversee and make sure the teaching is right. If a church goes well... Um, they're going to have to be leading well. If the church goes wrong, those are the guys who are responsible before God 
um, and burn in the hottest spot of hell. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you never know. But then there's another very important office, and the only this, there's only two offices given in the Bible in the church, which, which is, can be odd because if you think of churches throughout the ages, they've, they've come up with an awful lot of different positions you can hold. Um, and, and, but there's really only two that the Bible mandates that you have to have. The other one is called deacon. Now, elder sounds kind of, I mean, it can make you sound old, but it can also make you sound important. Or you could be the overseer. And sometimes it's actually translated bishop. That sounds pretty good. You can only move diagonally, but still it sounds important. (laughs) But deacon, do you know what deacon means? The literal translation of the word deacon is servant. Close to slave. It's a servant. Servant doesn't sound like, huh, who wants... Raise your hand if you want to be known as the servant around here. I mean, it's, it's, if you run a restaurant, the office I want is, is busboy open? Okay, you know, in the military, we've got a very important office for you. What do you call it? We call it private first class. You know, it's, it, it, it's not normal that an office, this is what God calls the office. It's in the Bible. He calls an office of the church the servant. This shouldn't be unusual to you if you're a Christian. Jesus is the king of the upside-down world. The mourn, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. (laughs) The first will be last. And this may seem a little bit upside-down. But you know, Jesus came from the farthest, came from the highest. He is God. It really struck me again today. Jesus is God. Has that struck you lately? He is God. Have you ever walked around thinking, well, Jesus seems like a decent dude, but I don't know if God likes me. You ever have that happen to you emotionally? I know I'm not the only one. It's just an emotional thing. You think, Jesus, everything, he seems like if he were around and I ran up and said, Jesus, can we be friends? He'd say, yeah. But then I think, well, what about your father? He's the angry guy in the sky, right, who throws lightning on your head. (laughs) Philip at one point said to Jesus, you know, Jesus, if you show us the Father, that'll be enough for us. You know what Jesus said to him? He said, have I been with you so long, Philip, and still you don't know who I am? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What if you put your name in there? Put your name in there. Have Jesus say to you, have I been with you so long, your name, and you don't know who I am? That Jesus that you trust to be good to you? I am God. It's the mystery of the Trinity. So he is God, the highest, but he takes the lowest point. He he says, the Son of Man did not come to earth to be served. Well, if anyone deserves to be served, it's God. He says, no, I came, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And so Jesus, being the greatest of all, became the servant of, Of all Jesus, leadership, plan, requires humility at a level that that is greater than anyone else's humility. he's, He's lowered himself farther. So today, the church leadership position we're going to talk about is the one that's named after Jesus. So it's the one of great honor, the deacons. Okay, so let's read about the deacons. Right here in 1 Timothy 3, 8. All the way to 13. I'm going to read it all in one shot, and then we'll break it down a little bit, talk about some application, 
and uh, the Holy Spirit hopefully will bless us all through it. Deacons, verse 8, likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, (laughs) not addicted to any wine, but it's just the way it comes out in English. It's like, well, I'm not addicted to much wine. I just like that Pinot Grigio stuff. (laughs) I'm just addicted to the mad dog. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) It's just a translation thing. Not addicted to any wine. Not addicted to much wine. Not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Verse 11. I'm going to read you verse 11 twice and it's going to sound different the second time. Verse 11 the first time. Their wives... Likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. And now I'm going to read it to you from another translation, the New American Standard. And I will later argue that this is the one you should take it from. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Verse 12, let deacons each be The husband of one wife, literally a one-woman man, just like the elders, they have to be faithful, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also a great confidence in faith that is in Christ Jesus. Okay, that's our text. Five things to know about deacons before we get to an application point. Ready? Five things to know about deacons. And, um, you know, this exciting things about how church government goes. If you take notes, it might go a little faster for you. But uh, I I find it interesting. Hopefully you do too. Um, God wrote it. He wanted us to study it. Number one, deacons can be men or women. Now, elders, if you remember, God restricts that in the family of God, to men. But deacons, he doesn't make that restriction. And that's where our translation issue, that's why I translated verse 11 twice. I'm gonna, I don't like to pull the Greek on you because I don't want to act like I'm a Greek scholar. I'm not. I am a Greek plebe. <laughs> I, I try, I can read it, but I, always, I often don't know what the words mean. I can also read Spanish. It doesn't mean I know what the, it says. <laughs> but... In this case, it's, it's important for us to see how come the English Standard Version, which is a very good translation, says their wives should be dignified. But Pastor Mike is telling us the New American Standard says women, and we should take his word for it, that it should say women and not their wives. Well, I'm going to tell you why. Um, the, the, the literal translation, I'm going to give you exact words in English. Ready? The first word, by the way, is gunaikis. You like that sound, ladies? That means women. <laughs> Gunaikis. I'd like to be known as, it sounds a little too close to goon for me. If I was you, I wouldn't like that. But gunaikis. Gunaikis in, in, in Greek, in the New Testament Greek, means women, or it can mean wife. How do you know when it means wife? Well, it always means women unless the context makes it mean wife. Right? So it's like, that's, you see me with Lori next to me, you say, Who's that? That's Mike's gunaikis. His woman? Well, I don't own a woman. I don't, you can't own people. He must mean that's Mike's wife. And so context tells you. So gunaikis is the first word. It's the only one I'm going to give you in Greek. Well, I might give you another one because it's fun. So it's women 
Similarly, honorable, not devilish. That one's kind of fun. It's diabolos, right? So even, that's close to Spanish too, right? You get the, uh, the uh, shrimp diabolos. Boy, that's good. It's hot. Um, so it's women, similarly, honorable, not devilish, sober, faithful in all things. And in all things is one word. That's all it is in Greek. It's an exact translation of the words. So in the King, the King James Version, the English Standard Version, it says their wives. The word there is not in the text. There's no possessive in it. it doesn't, there's no deacon's wives. It doesn't have the word deacons in it. It just has gunaikos, women. The New American Standard, and they're not the only one, a lot of other translations. Uh, the New American Standard is known for being the most literal New Testament translation from the Greek. Um, several other translations say, no, don't, that shouldn't be wives, that should be women. Women. This makes a big difference because if it's wives, it seems there's a restriction on women being deacons. But there's a requirement of male deacons' wives behaving. You might think male deacons threw that in. <laughs> Throw this in so my wife will behave, you know. <laughs> so which is it? Is it saying wives of deacons must behave or is it saying women who are deacons must behave in a certain way? I'm going to tell you that it means women. Why then did the King James translate it Wives, And why did many other translations follow suit? I'm going to tell you why I think why, and you do what you want with it. The King James was translated in 1611. It is 1,600 years after the birth of Christ. And the Bible was not invented in 1611. It had been in Greek and in Hebrew and then translated into many, many languages before one day in English in 1611 in what is now old-timey English, but was modern at the time, it was translated. During those 1,600 years, the church had grown all over Europe and all over Eastern Europe and all over the world, North Africa, everywhere. And that church began to develop an ecclesiastical structure. What does that mean? Government. You had monks and abbeys and nuns and bishops and sisters and mothers and fathers and priests and cardinals and you had a lot of positions in the church could you imagine if in 1611 one of those positions which was very important you said well that's one of the women's there's there's a, a very you'd say could that affect the translation it absolutely could affect the translation in 1611 is when they said that there's no reason in the greek to think that says wives Now, there are some churches that say, no, we're going to stick with wives and they won't allow women to be deacons, to which I would only say that is not a hill I want to die on. You can be a good Christian church and believe that, and I can respect that. My difficulty is when I'm bringing the word of God to you, I pause before I say it says something that I can't, that I'm not certain it says. And not only am I not certain it says wives, if I had to bet, I'd say it doesn't. And here's why. I'm going to give you five reasons. And you don't have to write these down unless you want to for the because you get into this stuff. I'm saying gunaikos should be translated women because, number one, that's the most literal way to translate the text. 
I just told you exact words. It's literal. There's nothing in the context that says it's a possessive or their wives. Two, nowhere in the Bible are deacons prohibited from being female unless you make that wives. But there's nowhere in the Bible. And in fact, there's a very strong case that a woman named Phoebe is called a deacon by Paul in the book of Romans. So if there's any indication, it's okay. But there's nowhere in. This is not like elder. Before we get into the elder description, Paul says it very clearly, I do not allow a woman to, and he says not, she can't have this authority over the men. He doesn't, never is that said for deacons. Third, the requirements for the women mirror those of the men. It's as if they have the same position. They're very similar. The man is not to be double-tongued. The woman is not to be devilish. And that devilish means with her mouth. It's as if the writer thinks women can be very devilish with their mouths. Not to say men can't, but that's what he says. Why would the requirements mirror those of the men unless they had the same position? Fourth, there's no corresponding list of requirements for the wives of elders. So the wives of, if we say it's wives, then the wives of deacons need to behave. The wives of elders, they can be strippers and street walkers and <laughs> drunkards and club fighters if they want, apparently, because there's no restrictions on them. Do you see what I mean? It says here's what the elders should be. There's nothing about their wives. But when it says here's what the deacons should be, all of a sudden their wives are brought into this. Why would their wives be held to a higher standard than the elders' wives? It doesn't make sense. Finally, deacons are not commanded anywhere to do the things prohibited to a woman in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2. I'm not going to go back to that. We've studied that. You may go back and read it. There are two things very specifically prohibited in the office for the women, and that is having the authoritative position of teaching and overseeing. And deacons are never told to teach and oversee. Only the elders are. So, that's my long explanation, all to say deacons can be men or women. At Harvest Community Church, that's the way we hold I remember having one brother who was just so troubled by that, because he'd always gone to a Baptist church that never allowed that, and, it, and he showed me in the King James where it said wives, and I don't think he ever got over that. In other words, he doesn't sit near me in church. <laughs> I don't know where he goes to church, but I'm not criticizing him. But I had to be honest with you, when I read the Bible, that's what it says was women. Um, and I respect those who disagree on that one. Number two, the requirements for a deacon are very brief. The list for elders is longer. And then there's another list for elders in, in Titus. There's only one for deacons, and it ain't that much. It says they got to be respectable, they got to control their tongues, they got to stay away from substance abuse, they got to be reliable, and they can't be greedy. Right? <laughs> Let's flesh it out a bit. At Harvest, we have deacons in every campus. There may be deacons in every room where my voice is being heard right now. There probably are, I'm not certain. Um, we look. So that we look for people who have these qualities. To, to People who influence others by serving. Did you know that to pull off what we regularly do throughout the week as a church, it takes 340 of you people to volunteer in one role or another? 340 over the four campuses. That makes me excited. Because that shows you have a church with a lot of people participating because what you're doing is you're serving each other. 
You're, you're loving each other. You're making things go. Now, I don't want you to think that's the only Christian work going on, though. The mother who has little ones and a part-time job on the other end, who's discipling the little ones all the time, need never feel guilty. I'm not building the church. Oh, yes, you are, ma'am. You certainly are, for you are shepherding the sheep, and, and that needs to be done. The man who's busy all the time making money to pay for his family, but he's also the witness for Christ in his job and what he does and, and that's what he has time for. He, too, is working for Christ. He, too, is building the church. So you don't just build the church by volunteering to do something on a Friday night or a Sunday. But I do want to point out, it takes three, about 340 of you. How proud I am. How, who couldn't be happier to be a, a pastor with people like you? And, and I mean that. Um, now, among those... <laughs> You can see those who lead. There are some who lead by serving. They move, they, they work hard, they have integrity. and uh, Not that all don't, but then others seem to follow their lead. They're influential. And that's what we're looking for when we look for a deacon. Someone who somehow, by being a servant, turned into the leader. It's important that they're respectable, important that they control their tongues, important that they avoid substance abuse, that they're reliable, not greedy. Those are all the things there. A word about the tongue. The tongue is a very dangerous thing, and you have one in your mouth. That's a real problem. Most dangerous things you should try to keep far away from you, like tigers. Anyone got tigers in their house? No, you don't. Rattlesnakes, try to keep them away. Black widow spiders, no. Poison. Lock it up from the children. But your tongue, you seem to carry that with you everywhere. The Bible says your tongue is dangerous. My tongue is very dangerous. We as humans have the most dangerous thing on the planet. It's called a tongue. And you think, well, other things have tongue. Yeah, but they don't talk. They just go, stuff like that. <laughs> we actually talk. And words. God cares a lot about words. So, not just for deacons, but for all of us, complaining people. Some of you are in the habit of complaining. We all complain sometime. None of us should give, but some of you do nothing but complain. Can I tell you it's a sin you need to repent of? Do you think of it as that? Or do you think, don't tell me to change. Okay, God's telling you to change. Do you know what he does to complainers in the Bible? He opens the ground and swallows them up. It's in the Bible. If you're walking around and you don't like the weather, that's the easiest one. People complain about the weather. <laughs> Two things to say. One, God made the weather. Are you criticizing him? Two, you live in Pennsylvania. You don't like it. Move. Because nobody wants you to tell them, oh, how miserably cold it is, how this stinks. We know it's cold. We live here. Oh, but you complain about this, you complain about that, everything's negative, never works out my way, it always works out their way, how come this, how come, th this is why you should stay away from politics on the radio and on the internet, because it'll just make you into a complainer like all those complainers. Rush Limbaugh's just a big complainer. That's nothing to do with whether he's right or wrong, all he does is complain. He's always angry and complaining. When it's time to vote, you can go vote like him if you want, but why listen to that crap all day? Do you like feeling horrible? You do feel horrible after you listen to it, I know. I'm, I've repented of that. <laughs> That's why I don't feel horrible anymore. I just don't listen to that crap. I go, 
can't believe I was listening to that sewage. It's just constant complaining. And if you could be a lefty here, you'd be a political lefty. You'd probably not. It's Armstrong County. Um, but there could be one or two of you in here. Your guys are filled with sewage too. They're just whining the whole time. Nobody wants to be around you if you complain all the time. Nobody. They don't like it. You're just ruining their day. Until you find a fellow complainer. And you know what they do after they leave? They complain with you, complain with you, complain with you. As soon as you leave, they go and complain about you. It's a sin. It's not okay. Gossip is a sin. Tearing people down. Larry Osborne says, it is prestigious to be in the know. That's why gossip's gossip. Let's think about that. I think he's right. There's a lot of pride in gossiping. I know something. I'm going to tell you. But it tears down somebody else. My wife and I have a a pact that we try to keep where, where your reputation is safe with us means if you're not in the room, my wife and I are alone, and, and you say things to your spouse, you'd say to no one else. Your reputation's safe. You shouldn't have to worry that when my wife are alone, that I'm tearing you down. That, that cleans you up right there. Because if you won't tear someone down to your spouse, you won't tear someone down to anybody. God's people must learn to control our tongues. It's a lifelong discipline. Do your words tear down? Or What's Paul say to the church in, in Ephesus? He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. None. But only such as is good for building up. When we speak, we're supposed to think, when the person who hears this hears this, will they be better off because I spoke in their ears? That sounds good to me. I love people who are like that, by the way, around me. So why don't I be like that around you? Why don't you be like, you know what I mean? That it may give grace to those who hear. And so when we're looking for deacons, that's what we're looking for. If we got a deacon who's whining and complaining all the time, they need to repent or quit deaking because they ain't deacon right. They can still volunteer for this or that, but you can't deek. We're looking for people with servants' hearts who have dignity about them. They're merciful with their words. They have self-control. Good example of working for the Lord. Third thing to note about deacons was that the work of deacons is never outlined in the Bible. We have the command to have the office of deacon, but nothing in the Bible tells us what deacons do. For some of you Bible scholars, you'll say, what about Acts 6? I will tell you why that, I don't think that's deacons In a private conversation, if you want to have it, I'm not going to subject the whole church to it because they don't know what we're talking about. But there is nothing in the Bible that tells deacons what they're supposed to do. Elders are supposed to oversee. Elders are supposed to, to teach. And then we have all these examples of elders doing things in the New Testament. We can see them do them. And there's, you know, Paul pulled the elders out in Miletus and he gave them a lot of new instructions, cool ones. Nowhere. Do we see Paul sit down with the deacons and say, I want you people to do this, 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 and this. How do you have an office? They're like, would you like to be a deacon in the church? Yes, Pastor Mike, what do I do? Just wear this hat. It says deacon. (laughs) I don't know. I don't think, but we're not helpless for two reasons. One, it is an office in the church. In other words, leadership is implied by its existence. Leadership is influencing others. If other people aren't following your lead, you're not deking. You're just taking up space. But second, the name. 
And I think the name is what we have. The name is servant. What do servants, what do good servants do? Anything that needs to be done to get good work done. There's lots of things that need to be done in ministry and in church. So what do our deacons do? Whatever needs to be done. At Harvest, we don't have a board of deacons. That can be a nightmare. (laughs) We have just a bunch, a platoon of servant leaders given responsibilities in the church. They're free to recruit other people to help them do their tasks. And because they're an office in the church, they normally have influence because that's why they were chosen. But they do almost anything and almost everything. Fourth thing we know about deacons is family is important. This is just like the elders. He, he says your marriages you need to be a, a faithful man. And obviously if you're a woman, you need to be a faithful woman to your husband. And then it says and you've got to keep your household in order. Notice God it puts family first all the time. What happens in family is very important to God. This is just the opposite of our society. Our society does not think what happens in family is important. Now, they wouldn't say it that way. They wouldn't say family is unimportant, but they would say this. If you're just doing nothing but building your family, you're wasting your life. You need to get out and get a job and do something real. Or they'll, they'll you know, they, they don't care about keeping mom and dad and kid together as units. But God thinks what happens in the family is the most important thing happening in human units, around the globe because family is where you learn to love where you learn your social skills some of you have lousy social skills it's just horrible and the reason why is you didn't learn it at home now the place for you is the church with all your rough edges annoying people who have good social skills you need to be with them annoying them that's your job because this is where we learn this is family but it should happen in your home. That's where you should learn how to not be selfish, how to share, how to obey authority, how to do the things that lead to a happy life. It should be the greenhouse and the garden of life is the home. And you never grow out of it because no matter how old you are, you need a home, right? And that transfers to the church. The church is not like any other organization. It's like family according to God. Anyway, let's move on. Fifth, and finally, serving as a deacon comes with a promise of a blessing. Serving as an elder does not come, well, it does, it does have a promise or two, but not as specific as this, (laughs) where it just says you get blessed. If you're a deacon, properly chosen, not a self-promoting, ambitious person by nature, it says in verse 13, those who serve well as deacons, as servants, gain a good standing for themselves and a great confidence in the faith that's in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Let's unpack all those phrases. It means this, a good standing in the time when Jesus comes back. It's not talking about your standing right here. You're standing here, hopefully, you've already got the respect of somebody, but your position is servant. And if you're doing it right, you're not looking for someone to praise you and pat you on the back. That's not why you did it in the first place. But if you serve well as a deacon, It says you gain a good standing for yourself and confidence in faith that's in Christ. That means when Jesus comes back in the sky, you get blessed. That can lead 
Oh, today's people, people don't like to hear that. They don't hear, I don't want to talk about heaven one day. I want to talk about bringing the kingdom to earth right now. You Christians are always talking about pie in the sky. I want to know what I can get right now. I am a big fan of pie in the sky. If there, if there is pie in the sky, I want to be in the sky eating pie. Who's with me? Because <laughs> I've been to a lot of funerals. And in some way or another, every single person I've seen inside a coffin looks like me. They got two eyes, two ears, a nose. Even if they don't have those parts, they have the places where those parts used to be. Pretty soon, I, you can always get something in life. You can get it honestly, you can steal it. You can always get something on earth. What happens when eternity comes, when the Lord returns? Then what do you get? That's what matters. By the way, if you want to bring a friend to church, bring them next week because that's going to be mainly what we talk about, someone who needs the Lord. (laughs) But you might need the Lord right now. I want you to know, if you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, I want you to know some good news. You're going to (laughs) die. But it doesn't have to be the end because Jesus Christ died for sinners. I thought you said, Mike, Jesus Christ was God. He is. Why would he do that for me? Because God loves you. He doesn't want your death to be the end. Anyway, back to the sermon here. I'm kind of preaching another sermon. That's next week. This week, you deacons, this is a promise just to you. You have good standing when the Lord returns. You're the servant. You're taking the servant job. Why doesn't it say, you preachers who preach well, you get to be first? I'll be like, yes, I get to, I'm going to work at this so I can beat out you deacons. You can be back behind me in heaven. It doesn't work that way. The one who takes the servant part is the one who's shaped like Jesus. I know I'm pushing deacon to its max here, but I want us to see something bigger than that. All of us should grasp the role of servant, shouldn't we? Jesus says, the last will be first, the first will be last. Well, who's first with Jesus? You'd think Billy Graham would be right there. But no, it's probably some guy named Bill who died 100 years ago. Or Wamish across the world who died 600 years ago. Someone with just a heart of service that nobody knows. And we're all going to get to heaven and this person's just going to come up. person with Down syndrome with a good heart. Was well bred by their parents and, and just loved Jesus. Be like, I'm first. I don't know. We have a strange religion. The more you serve, the greater you are. The lower you go, the higher you go. Remember the story of the minas? Jesus gave, said a man gave 10 minas. I don't know what a mina is, but it's some, some form, of wealth, form of wealth. And um, he gave 10 minas, one to each person, right? And then the master came back and said, what'd you do with my minas? Dude says, I made 10. And the other says, I made five. And the other guy says, I didn't do nothing with it. I didn't serve you at all. But to the one who invests his life serving the master, this is what Jesus said to that one at the end of that parable. He said, well done, good servant. Not good leader. Well done, good servant. 
Because you have been faithful with a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. The servant goes unnoticed in our midst. But when Jesus returns, you are rewarded openly. The mother who serves her kids and does nothing but complain under her breath is probably not going to be happy when she sees Jesus. But the mother who serves her family with love and kindness and gets no pats on the back, Jesus sees. He says, I'm watching you do this for me. I'm watching you teach them about me. It's not, you know, we're being watched. Paul says, you gain standing. Look, this is not just for deacons. You already saw where I'm going with this, right? You might be sitting here saying, I'm not a deacon. I'm trying to hit all of us with this one. Listen to what Jesus says to all of us. This is what we should all share with the deacons. When you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the place of honor. Let someone more distinguished than you be invited by him when he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. So one of my nephews comes in, jumps into a recliner. Then my brothers come in. I know he ain't going to last. He can say, I was here first, long as he wants. One of them brothers is going to say, get up. And, and the, the get up is going to be like, or die. Yeah. It's got to be even more embarrassing if you do it at like a, a very posh first class event with very important rich people. Someone comes and excuse me, that's not your seat. That's what he said, don't, don't do that. Let someone say to you, give your place to this person and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. You put yourself in the highest place, by shame you, go, you get pushed down. But when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table. This is just Jesus giving dining strategy. (laughs) Jesus is awesome. Trying to move up the social ladder? Let me give you some dining strategy. Go in and take the lowest seat. And then let the guy move you up and look. Everyone's going to say, look, that guy is important to the one who invited us all. For, now, Jesus doesn't care that much about your dining strategy. I don't think that that's his point. What's his point? His point is bigger. It's about your whole life. And here's, he makes it right here. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. You'll be humbled either by you or by God. Make it by you. Be the servant of all. So the deacons in the church, I want to lay this on the deacons here in my voice. Believe it or not, you are to be the model for every one of us because you get the name servant. No ambition, no self-promotion. Ultimately, we're all to be like Jesus. The highest one, the greatest one, our king. I've been listening to these uh, books on Audible um, about Vikings, because, uh, you know, I'm just fascinated with Vikings these days. And uh, the hero in this book is a pagan, and he constantly calls Jesus the nailed God. And he looks down on him because he doesn't think he's as tough as uh, 
It's like Odin. <laughs> so, I know, Odin versus Jesus. By the way, Jesus always wins that. Just let you know. But that's how people look at Jesus. What kind of God you got? The kind that gets naked and slain by his enemies on a piece of wood and doesn't put up a fight. And then he wants his people to be meek. What kind of wimpy God is that? Philippians 2 says this, to you and I, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind in yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Take your, it's not the brain you had that you were born with, or the point of view when it says mind, it's the same brain. Your attitude changes when you get Jesus. Have the attitude of Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Jesus Christ, God forever and ever, became as small as possible, a little piece of dust, and for him it was like being a slave, a bond servant. This word isn't even deacon. It's lower than deacon. It's doulos, which means slave. He was the highest He willingly became a slave by being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself farther. For him, just being human is humble. He says, that's not humble enough. How about about you lay me in a food trough when I'm born? And then being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Why? Did the highest one go to the lowest place for you? For you, Christian and non-Christian. He who knew no sin became sin that you might become. He was willing to come to the lowest spot to pay the price for every criminal in here. So that you, Christian, can know you are loved by your God. And your sins are taken away. You've been adopted into his family. Do you, do you see the, what was required to save you? Humility. Normally, saviors come, and humility is not what you're looking for. You want a little swagger. You want the guy to come off the bench, get the ball, and act like he belongs. I am the greatest. That's not how salvation comes through ultimate humility. Therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is a day that is coming. The Lord will return. He who went the lowest as God and as man will be lifted to the highest. And when he shows up, there will not be anyone arguing. Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins will fall to their knees after being raised from their cruddy graves, if that's what needs to be. And they will say, Lord, he went the lowest, he came to the highest, and salvation is made possible through that. If you're a follower of that man, do you know what your job is to do? Embrace the humbling of the self. 
to be lower in this evil world is to be more like Jesus. Applications. One, esteem your deacons. It'll mess with them. Like, I'm trying to be a servant. You're awesome. Stop it. (laughs) If you're a deacon, serve with joy. Never complain. You get to serve. You get the Jesus place. All of us, though, what if we don't make this just another trip to church, but you actually do some business with God right now and say, God, (laughs) look in my heart. Where's my pride? Who is it that I will not serve? Where is it that I'm not serving? And then lay down our pride. Let's become servants of all people. Big ways and small ways. You want to know a small way? I saw a small way recently. It's very small. And it's one that makes very little difference on the planet and doesn't change almost anything. But it struck me. There was a lady in Sam's Club who looked like she weighed 80 pounds. And her age was getting up to there. (laughs) And she was looking at cases of water. Because you can't buy one of anything in Sam's Club. (laughs) Right? And I'm like... And then there's a dude standing next to her looking like he's waiting for her to get out of his way and he looks hefty enough that he can lift anything he wants. And he's standing there and she doesn't seem to notice that she's in his way. He's trying to shop too. What's gonna happen? She looks here, she looks, finally she seems to pick one out. She moves her cart real close and she's about to try to lift it. This guy rudely runs right up to her and says, excuse me, ma'am. And she goes, I'm sorry, I didn't see you. And he lifted it for her. Boom. Did you want two? Yeah, he lifted it for her. And she was like, and then he left. She said, thank you. He said, he wasn't waiting for her to get out of the way. She don't know who he is. He could be a doctor. He could be a lawyer. He could be a judge. He could be a plumber. We don't know. He didn't have to do that. You're not going to get any credit from anybody. Right? Right? You're not getting any credit from me. No names. But that's the heart. That's the heart. You know, it's easy to be a servant until someone treats you like one. Just remember, it doesn't matter what they think of you if they think they're better than you. You're down there with the Christ. You're down there with the Christ every time you get low to serve someone else. You're down there with the Christ. He sees. He's the only one who has to see. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church. We invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Catanning, Petrolia Valley, Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.